and welcome back to the FPL Lounge. Have you missed us? It does feel like a long time since we've been speaking to you. Of course, that's because we've had a massive double game week 19 and we are back to review that. So I am joined, as ever, by the Joe Biden to my Joe Exotic. It's Andy Case. Andy, how, how are you doing? Uh, you know, big, big, big president, president-elect, well, actual actual president vibes from, from, from you this week. You're looking very, very regal. Um, in in your in your White House, well, being regal is quite very much the opposite of being a president, isn't it? So you've had a little bit of a mare there, but I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, you know have a go at you when you're when you're trying to give me a compliment. So I suppose maybe I should just shut up and take it. Yeah, I think um, I think shut up and taking it is 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 is, is some you know, wise words that you can definitely wise wise advice that you can hear. Um, I mean, we've got plenty to get through, so, so let's not talk too much about about a great new dawn in in the United States. But as ever on our on our review shows, we will review our players on the radar. We have plenty to talk about this week, and because it was, of course, a double game week, um, then we're going to have a look at a top differential and a blankety blank. Especially um, the blankety blank is uh, maybe one that, that that we can have a bit of a bit of a chat about, Andy, because uh, one player in particular who is playing as we record or not playing as we record without kind of burying that. That lead um, might be might end up being being featured quite heavily, and um, we'll be reviewing our new segment called Caught in the Honey Trap. We'll have a look at our captaincy picks and then some early thoughts looking ahead to game week 20. So, without further ado, Andy, it's probably best to start with uh, with, with Man City and and pro- possibly Man United, but I think let's start with City because you know, they ultimately had um, two very favourable uh, double game week 19 fixtures. Um, you know, plenty of assets for FPL managers to kind of be getting getting their teeth into, getting into their team. Um, but it was perhaps the, the defenders rather than the than the attackers that that really shone through. And uh, one guy in particular with a, with a fairly astronomical score, who I know made his way into your team. Yeah, well, we 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 obviously highlighted how. Um... We, we, we made the very comparison, like, would you expect KDB to assist twice or score twice uh, more? Would you think that's more likely than, than Stones or Diaz getting two clean sheets in this game? And, and that is kind of how it turned out. It was, um, it was, um, it's two fixtures where City had um, been very, very good at home recently. I think the best home record defensively in the league this season. I think there's something ridiculous like Stones and Diaz have only conceded one goal in like 11 starts now in the Premier League. Yeah, so that so that's just like yeah astonishing and they the both clean sheets managed to come through so um incredible points for both those players just on that front but then yeah un- unbelievable scenes in the first game where where stones manages to score twice i think he scored against united in the league cup semi-final and the reason that sticks in my mind because i remember the commentator saying it was his first goal for city for like two years or something ridiculous like that so i'm not having anyone tell me that they uh they saw this coming just because of that one he'd happened to score one recently against united uh it'd been two years since that so two two goals in one game incredible for stones but some fantastic returns there and i think probably what you're alluding to that there's there's kind of now signs of are they more reliable than those city forward players yeah i mean they do they do definitely seem to be i think um you know pep roulette is is a well-known phenomenon in in fpl circles but um you know they these two do seem to be fairly settled and, and definitely um you know his his favored central defensive partnership and i think central defensive partnerships has always been where pep might be slightly less likely to rotate 
Um, I guess with Laporte potentially back to full fitness, I guess maybe he'd be inclined to rotate them more. But obviously, I you know presumably with the Champions League coming back very soon, and and, and City has still got plenty of fixtures. Um, you know, one would one would expect maybe Stones and Diaz to to continue through the league, and and, and definitely you know their home record speaks for itself. But I think their record in the Premier League absolutely speaks for itself. Obviously, with those clean, clean sheets come bonus points for them both. Um, but, you know, also attacking returns. Diaz with one assist this game week, Stones obviously w- w- with two goals. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they, they do, seem, do seem to be the most reliable um, City assets. And then I guess let's touch slightly more on on some of their other defenders. You know, we, we, we've spoken about Jao Cancelo, um, who's definitely, um, you know, probably one of the higher owned players, I would imagine, uh, from Man City. But it, it's, it is the starts for him. And he, he does seem to, although he starts, seems to start kind of like the majority of games and maybe a sort of 80, 90 percent of them. Um, he isn't as rotation proof as, as the other two. But um, although it didn't quite happen for him. Uh, this game week, he does still look pretty good going forwards. I think he hit the bar and 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 is you know don't don't have his expected assists, but he he does look quite dangerous, doesn't he? Yeah, he he absolutely does, and he almost would have got another clean sheet because he actually came on in the first half, didn't he? But I think he just missed out on the sixty minute mark because um, he came he came on for Carl Walker, um, in the in the in the was it. Did he come on for Carl Walker in the first half? Or, oh, no, it's because he just moved to right back, didn't he? When Yeah, that's why I'm getting confused. He moved to right back when Walker went off, but actually he was on the pitch from the start. Yeah, so it's that first game where he's missed out on the clean sheet. And um, that, like you say, that's always that was always a worry. So it's why Stone, in fact, so why I'm fortunate. <laughs> Cancelo, whose rotation risk is, is the only reason really why I've got the two goals uh, from Stones in my, in the bank because had it not had it not if we knew Cancelo was going to start every game I think I probably would have gone for gone for him over Stones just because of that attacking threat and um, the fact that he looks good but it, it, even going for it, how how good he looked still doesn't necessarily at this point make me want to reverse my decision or get him in my team over Stones or anyone else from City because it, it's just I think it's just you can't predict that with with um I mean you, you can't predict necessarily that even Stones I suppose will will definitely play but it just seems that Stones and Diaz are the settled two now and they've had such a good partnership together even for someone like Pep it would seem daft to kind of break that up for no reason and, and Cancelo is still going to be a probably a rotation risk. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and then obviously at the other end of the pitch, um, I guess Gundogan is going to sort of take the take the city's attacking headlines, especially from an FPL point of view, with with eighteen points, two goals, and two bonus points in this game week. I think maybe let's put a pin in him because I have a feeling we might end up talking about him a little bit more later. But I feel like we're going to have to talk about Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, he's another player that we will probably end up talking about about a bit later. But I mean, with his, um, you know, just, just one assist, he would have got the armband from a fair few FPL managers, and I guess you know they're definitely thinking. Um, you know, uh, a player like Kevin De Bruyne with these favourable fixtures, it, he he really does have the potential to haul. And similar to a lot of the season, we haven't really seen seen it, but he it's not for want of trying, and he's definitely still heavily involved in, in in a lot of what City do. So, do you think it's just you know a bit of bad luck this game week, and 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 you know, write it off and move on and, and stick with him, or would you do you think that there's maybe something a, a bit a bit deeper going on here? Yeah. I'm I'm not sure really. I think I'm gonna have to have a bit more thinking to kind of solidify where I'd fall down on either side of that. It's he's he 
there's one side of it that thinks when you look, and particularly with this new kind of false nine position, which he seemed to be playing in a lot for them, he is involved in everything good that City do. Now, what everything good going forward that City do is a lot less at the moment and has been all season really than stuff, you know, the amount they've produced in other seasons. But, you know, he he he, he his performance is generally like he's still been fantastic on the ball. He's still made good passes. Um, it's kind of odd because he's the guy who's the number nine. So he hasn't got, really someone to pass the ball through like an out and out striker to convert the chances he's likely to create. So that takes away from him a little bit, but it's, it's, um, he's just such a a fantastic player. He will, even in games, you know, as we've seen here really, where he he doesn't get the, uh, um, where city aren't playing that, that well, he still managed to manage to get an assist. And, um, I guess, Going going forward, if if there's concerns over over injury, obviously, like I say, he he pulled up in in that game and and went off, and um, that that would be something that would hold me back um, from having him in the team. But he's so much less of a rotation risk. I think if he is fit and he we know he's he's um, in in Pep's thinking, then uh, it's I suppose when you we, again not without going into what we're going to talk about later, you know, if you're comparing him to other premium assets, other, you know, say the Salas and the Manes of the world at that kind of price, I'd probably rely on KDB at the moment more so than them. Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. But but yeah, obviously yeah, him going off before the 60th minute uh, in, in in the Villa game is potentially concerned. Didn't look particularly happy. Did look like he picked up something of a knock. Um, City with, with an FA Cup game this weekend, a fairly reasonable draw as well. So one would expect him to not feature really in that, especially if he is carrying a bit of a knock. And uh, and yeah, I guess in other sort of Man City news, um, Sergio Aguero, Aguero has tested positive for coronavirus. So um, one would assume that while Gabriel Jesus isn't really doing much in his sort of limited appearances off the bench, then perhaps it is going to be KDB or, or Raheem Sterling at least playing in that in that kind of number nine through the middle position. So so yeah, I, mean, I think we've said before that that if he's if he's there, he definitely has has some has some really good upside and some good potential. So, so yeah, I don't think he's he's one to to, to move off yet. Um, let's move on to, to to Man United, who did have a considerably more difficult double game week, especially with that Liverpool fixture. Um, obviously, it's no, will be no secret to our listeners that you're a United fan and you will have watched these two games, um, you know, very closely. Um, nowhere near the same kind of returns. Obviously, you know, John Stones with 27 points and Diaz and Gundogan on on, on 18, but. Um, but, but but I guess there was you know reduced potential. Although you know we could definitely have seen United Liverpool turning into a bit of a uh, potentially a bit of a goal fest. Um, but you know the players that we spoke about, obviously you know we didn't speak about Bruno in in loads of depth because we kind of assume he's going to be in in a lot of teams now. So, so what did you see from the others? Let's say you know Luke Shaw, Cavani, and and Marcus Rashford. Well, I think um, from. I mean, just on Bruno quickly, he was he was disappointing. It's similar. There is a lot of comparisons to KDB in that his underlying numbers aren't actually that bad. Um, you know, over, over the last six matches, Bruno and De Bruyne are actually one and two for expected goal involvement, um, including including the, what what's happened in this game week so far. So, yeah, it, it's um, it, although the performances on the eye in the last two or three haven't been great for him. Uh, the underlying numbers aren't that bad. That that being said, one very dubious assist is not is not what you'd hope for from this from this double game week. Uh, Shaw kind of his performing exactly how we'd we'd mentioned that he looked a lot better really. And so United United got that clean sheet at Liverpool. He started both games. I think he is the nailed on first choice left back now. I don't think there's any question. When Tellez first arrived at the start of the season, 
I think that I think there were questions. I think it was very much open for Tellers to take that position. And he's not really necessarily done anything wrong. He he does bob and forward a lot, which leaves him exposed at back a bit. But Shaw, Shaw's been, yeah, fantastic for both defensively and and going forward so far this season. So um, he's contributing to the bonus points because he's putting a lot of crosses in, making a lot of passes as well. So that's that's on his side. Um, his price, I think we said it was 4.8, so it's dipped down a bit, which makes him a little bit more appealing. But personally, I just never trust United for a clean sheet. And that's the thing. It's not nothing against Shaw individually. He, he's performing well. But uh, I just will never, ever, ever trust United the way they're playing, uh, <laughs> although they're top of the league, for, for a clean sheet in every, any given week. I mean, even just look at this 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 past match and, and obviously the, the mistake... The, you know, the very poor defending that led to the Fulham goal. So, yeah, on Cavani, I think he just continues to show that he's Man United's best number nine. It starts as the issue with him. Um, I think this is similar to what we've said all along as well with him, really. But it's good. It's good to kind of review it and 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 sh- and I guess be clear that, that that what we thought might be the case is definitely the case to kind of re- reconfirm that he's. I mean, um, you, I mean, just just on on him. Do you think that he's more likely to get starts now than he was, say, three four weeks ago when we first started speaking about him? I think quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, I've never respected Martial as a number nine, but it's interesting that in these last two games. Martial started in both, but neither time at number nine. He played Rashford through the middle against Liverpool and Cavani against against Fulham. So I don't know whether that's a sign of the fact that Solskjaer's starting to not trust him there or he just wanted, you know, there was tactical reasons perhaps for playing those two particular players in that in those two particular games. We'll have to wait and see what, what happens in the long term. I mean, personally, I just wouldn't have Martial anywhere near the team. He added absolutely nothing in either game at, on left wing either. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know what the benefit of him there is, but ho- I hope that for Cavani that would mean that maybe he would get more. So I think he's absolutely earned them. He's justified them. Again, there's a lot of games in a short amount of time. So even if Oli outright came, outright came and said, you know, Cavani is our number, is our is our first choice number nine, that still wouldn't guarantee he'd play every game just because of the amount of rotation that there's been anyway this season. But um, I think he deserves them, and I, ho- I hope he gets rewarded with them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, with United competing in in the Europa League um, as well. I mean, I guess it, 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 the Premier League is kind of their number one, whereas it might not be for for Man City and Liverpool, and perhaps quite the same way. So, I mean, I, I guess it's going to be first team very much for very much in the Premier League um, for, for for United going forward. Whereas, you know, possibly come quarter final, maybe semi final stage for. For for, for for Man City and Liverpool might not be quite that way. So so yeah, I guess if Cavani does does establish himself as the first choice, and that should potentially in theory um, help his kind of chances in in the Premier League. I mean, I guess uh, you know, uh, final word on Rashford. I mean, he he's a guy that we've spoken about less 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 recently, I guess. Um, but but we had spoken about him a few weeks ago, particularly when United had a had a very good run run of fixtures, and I think he did return. Uh, in those just the one start in this double game week I mean is that something for for managers to be concerned about he's not the cheapest so is he someone that's going to hang around in teams do you think it'll be in again that's another interesting one to see so far because I can't remember if ever when Rashford's been fit he's not started under Ollie. I think he's almost always a guaranteed starter if he's fully fit so to see him not start was was interesting and I, 
he was hooked as well in the in the Liverpool game. He was as bad as a, obviously I think Martial is generally. I think Rashford was actually worse than Martial in that Liverpool game, and I think he was rightly the first one to be subbed off. Um, and then he was rested, so I wonder whether it was tiredness or what. Um, he probably could do with some rotation, uh, you know, some rest. So if it was tiredness, I could I could understand. But whether there was a bit of form thrown into that as well, it'll be the next. I mean, a small caveat, I suppose, would be we've got Liverpool at home in the cup. And as much as you've just said there, which I probably agree with, that compared to, say, Europe, because for us, Europe means Europa League, you know, United would look to play their first team in the Premier League over that. But I think there is pressure on Oli to win a cup. I think he really does want to win um, a cup. And we unfortunately, we have Liverpool again on Sunday uh, in, in the fourth round of the cup, albeit at home this time. And so perhaps there was a slight eye on that. And, and it means he wants to sort of start Rashford in, in that game. But um, it'll be the, the, the next few team selections in the next, at least one or two team selections in the Premier League will be interesting for Rashford. I think they'll tell us a lot. Certainly. Um, let's let, let's have a chat about West Ham then, because I think they were probably our, our our other kind of standout team of the double game week. Um, you know, with some with some very favourable, um, very favourable home fixtures, um, and they didn't really disappoint, although perhaps one player did. And and I think you know, we can take these uh, in in turn. But you know, for, for for us, I guess there was a bit of a question mark over Mikel Antonio and how many minutes he'd get. But he came in got two goals, six bonus points and absolute job done as far as we're concerned. I think for his price, um, West Ham still have some good fixtures upcoming as well. So, so yeah, I mean, he might be a player that comes off the radar in, into teams pretty quickly. Um, but we, you know, we did also speak about uh, two defenders in, in Cresswell and, and Soufal. Um, you know, we, we thought West Ham had very good clean sheet potential going into this week. And, and, and you know, even though they didn't get two clean sheets, one was, was plenty enough. Um, with, with with some uh, attacking returns from those two as well, and, and some bonus points, and I guess Suchek was just a disappointment, really. Um, but you know, I guess for for his price around the kind of the the, the low five million mark, um, he isn't likely to to return every week. I guess it's just disappointing for anyone that brought him in as a kind of one game week proposition um, where he didn't return in in this you know pretty nice double. Yeah, well, I think you said it all, Chris. There's not a great deal for me to add. I guess I'd just echo your thoughts on Antonio. I think he's almost skipped our radar here so quickly. It's uh, he he looked like he looks like a fantastic option, and um, at his price, particularly, it's just fitness, isn't it, with him? And one more thing I'd add, I guess I'd probably go for who. Well, I'm still calling him Kufal, but you, you tell me it's supposed to be Sufal. But I mean, I don't speak Czech, so um, I'm going I'm going Kufal. And uh, yeah, I think not that the output from the two of them and the underlying numbers from Cresswell and Kufal um, are, are very similar and you can save yourself 0.7 million by by having him. So I haven't quite looked ahead actually, to be fair, at West Ham's upcoming fixtures. So that'd be the other thing that would hold me back if you haven't got him already. I can imagine a lot of people would have Kufal for this double game week quite probably. And I think I would have done if I could have made it happen, but just didn't quite have enough transfers. So maybe he's not someone that people are looking at going forward, depending on what their fixtures are. But if you are considering a West Ham defender, I think the 0.7 million saved, there isn't a great deal to be gained by 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 using it on Creswell. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, that, that depends how, how far ahead you look, I guess, for, for their upcoming fixtures. But, um, you know, next five, Palace, Liverpool, Villa, Fulham, Sheffield United. I think after that, it gets a bit trickier. Um, so, so yeah, I think uh, if, 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 if you're going to get them in, I, I, I would definitely kind of move quickly um and yeah you know uh, without 
without going on a massive tangent, um, so far, I don't know if you remember uh, Thomas Repka, another Czech West Ham defender, but yeah, he looks it looks like him. Looks looks hard as nails, and uh, I've got to respect that from from you know, from from what is essentially a kind of pretty advanced fullback. Um, I guess then we can we can touch quite quickly on on, on some of the other teams. Um, maybe we can group Villa and Newcastle together, um, both because you know we did kind of speak about them because they they had doubles that weren't the worst. Um, Villa's obviously improved because of the changes in uh, because of the fixture changes, and Newcastle's became a double from a single because of the change change in fixtures in this game week. Um, but obviously, at the time of the time of recording, um, both have only played one game. Um, but despite neither massively impressing going forward in those two games, I think there's one team that we're definitely less concerned about, and that's Villa, because you know an XG of 0.7 against Man City isn't necessarily uh, the signal of a bad team. No, absolutely. And just watching the game, you know, the eye test there is that they looked f- absolutely fantastic. Um, I really thought. Um, it was it was one of the most enjoyable games I've seen for a long for for a while actually. I think I heard someone with some analysis of of the Premier League in lockdown and how it feels almost less special because we're watching every game like usually. You know, it's like it's like that thing of when you have too much of something, it becomes less special, right? We've become normalised to being able to watch Sheffield United versus Burnley at six p.m. on a Tuesday evening and actually. Do is that? Do we want that? Are we really that bothered about that? I mean, no offense to Sheffield United and Burnley fans out there, but it's you know a lot of football, even Premier League football, is throw-ins and people waiting for the ball to come back into play and um, games that aren't necessarily between the elite teams or that all that entertaining. So um, when you add that into when I you know like someone like me who follows a team and I just the way they play, I never ever feel comfortable watching them. It means that a lot of the games I watch enjoyment is maybe not even the right word to use so to watch one that just felt that for me there was no stakes on it and it was just two teams absolutely going for it in great in sort of good attacking form it was really enjoyable to watch and and Villa Villa looked like such a a well that as a unit they're just you know they look solid defensively they're they're very creative going forward their league obviously their league position you know tells you that and they put up as good a fight at, at the Etihad as anyone really would do um, in in those situations. So not worried about them whatsoever. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. And I think just a quick note as well for for those that will end up listening to this before um, before they do play Newcastle. You, you, I think we we hi- highlighted three players that that may be owned by fantasy managers. Grealish being one of them um, that were on four bookings, and neither none of them picked up a booking uh, against against City. So they should definitely all play in the double. And we, we were a little but concerned maybe about some some lineup surprises um, post obviously a coronavirus outbreak at Villa, but there was nothing mass- massively surprising. Um, return of Barkley might be something that we can discuss maybe on a preview because um, he does change the way they play a little bit. Um, let's move on then to Leicester, who were probably were the team of the double game week with two two very good clean sheet uh, you know, victories against Southampton and Chelsea. Um, but you know we. We only really mentioned one player as, as, as a potential for, uh, for this double game week from Leicester, and, and, and it was at the, at the other end of the pitch. Um, it was Jamie Vardy. I mean, I think we're going to come on maybe to Leicester in a, in a bit more depth a little bit later. Um, but for Vardy, you know, with the amount of goals that Leicester is scoring, but him not really being involved either with assists or with goals, 
um, the, the returns are drying up a little bit. And 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 you know, considering he he costs well over ten million, I guess his owners need to be a bit concerned, Andy. Yeah, quite quite possibly, perhaps. And and what's even more worrying is that it's the direct opposite trend to what you'd see with Jamie Vardy in a normal year. So he's kind of quite notorious for being like the XG anomaly, right? He would he would not get very high XG necessarily uh, because he because he he it doesn't get many chances. But he was that stereotypical kind of when he does get one, he'll he'll take it sort of thing. So that's not to say he was underperforming his XG. Often that would mean he was he's quite well overperforming it, but just he wouldn't get very much of it. So he's so if you if he went one or two games without a goal, you could look at his underlying numbers and think, well, there's not much to work on there. But that's just Jamie Vardy. He he doesn't get he you know, he the way he plays, the way Leicester play, he typically doesn't get many chances and um but he will he was clinical and he'll take them when he does. However, in this game week, um albeit across two games, he is the the biggest XG underachiever. He's had 1.2 XG in the two games combined and obviously not scored any goals. So that's probably the most concerning thing because it's just so unlike Jamie Vardy on both counts there, the, the no goals and the 1.2 XG. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, maybe hold that thought because I have a feeling that we might talk a little bit about him again uh, in, in a few moments time. Um, we're going to take a quick break, which is very rare in a review show, but there is so much to get through that uh, we thought we'd uh, give our listeners a little bit break, a little bit of a break from listening to us and, uh, and you will hear us again just after this. Welcome to the FPL Lounge. Our previous show will always be out in advance of the game week deadline, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. That way, you'll definitely have it in time to make some tweaks to your team. If you can rate or review us too, that would be great, as we're really keen to know what people think. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, blankety blank, a little a little segment where we choose a high-owned player that hasn't really performed in this game week. I mean, considering this is a double, um, I guess we're looking for a player, Andy, that hasn't really done anything across two games and haven't just spoken about him. Um, it seems remiss not to make Jamie Vardy our blankety blank this week. Uh, got you know just under 30% ownership, 28.9% uh, time of recording and just four points, as we've already alluded to. Um, but I guess there is another contender who is uh, 45 minutes sat on the bench away from probably being our favourite uh, pick for this week. And that's sort of just shy of 40% owned Mo Salah, who, as things stand, is just getting three points from this game week. Um, I think we've mentioned Salah before in this segment and, and, and Vardy less so. But I mean, f- for both of them, managers that own them, and you know, we're talking a sizable proportion, sizable proportions might even have both of them and I am one of them. Is it time to kind of move on from both? So a little bit of this is going to be fixture dependent. And this is now telling me, given what I just said before about West Ham, uh, that I probably should have the fixtures up in front of me in an ideal world. But um, I, so if if it so happens that either or one or both of those have all right fixtures going forward, that might be, particularly with Vardy, something that that allows you to to um, to stick with him. And, and, and as I've been speaking, I Googled it. Over the next four game weeks, Leicester actually have the the best in from FPL's point of view uh, in the way that they define fixture difficulty. Uh, Leicester have the most attractive uh, upcoming fixture, so it's Everton at home and then Leeds at home, Fulham away, Wolves away. So 
Um, I mean, as Fulham have shown against Chelsea United, they're a little bit better now, I think, these days, um, the, the last few weeks. But but Leeds is always a team you can kind of create a lot of opportunities against. So, yeah, Vardy has been relatively consistent over a long period of time now. And although that, that you know, that XG stat that I read out about him being kind of the biggest underperformer this time, I suppose... If I owned him, I'd probably be be thinking, well, look, the thing is with Vardy is it's probably a good sign that he's at least getting in the right positions, right? Because we we don't, I don't think we're yet doubting his his lot that he's lost his ability to finish well. Like he's still a consistent good finisher. So he didn't score in this game week, and he had two opportunities too. So that is perhaps slightly disappointing. But if he's if he's getting goal opportunities, you'd back Vardy eventually to 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 be taking them. So less so him, but Salah. This is a lot of weeks of blanking now. And if you throw into that rotation as well, which has happened obviously now a couple of times in the last three or four weeks, albeit you know last time it happened, he did end up hauling off the bench. But still, if he's going to start and blank, and then in other games be on the bench at twelve point whatever million you've bought him for. You, yeah, that that is a, a big, big question mark, and I think I, I never thought I could see a point where I'd be I'd be looking to get Salah out. But just what worries me so much is not just his form, but Liverpool's form generally. Um, you know, they don't look great in attacking sense um, at all um, in the last few, in the last few game weeks. So, oh. I, I'm I'm struggling. I feel like I'm waffling because I'm sitting on the fence and I want to give you a definitive answer because uh, you know I own him too and I'm going to have to make the decision, my decision on this. But um, okay, I, I mean, just let, don't know. I mean, let, let let me pose maybe a slightly different question um, because yes, okay, there is lots of money tied up up in in them and both of them if if, if you own you know both. Um, I mean, just looking at the alternatives. Let's start with Vardy. I mean, obviously you could end up spending. Six million on, on on a considerably cheaper striker, but but you know in just 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 under Vardy, you're talking about Firmino, Werner, Jesus, Martial, Lacazette, Ings, and then then Jimenez, but obviously he's out at the moment, and and then and then you're then you're under eight million. I mean, none of those to me are better options than Jamie Vardy. There's an argument I'd say for Ings and Lacazette, but beyond that, you are really struggling. I think if you've got the money, then would you spend the extra million and go for Harry Kane? Quite possibly, if you've got the money. Now, I guess let's move on then to to to, to Salah because I think you know he's currently twelve and a half. You might not be able to sell him for that, but you know, that's his current price. You've got you've got Mane, you've got De Bruyne, you've got Sterling. I mean, then it's Bamiang and Fernandez. I, I mean. Who who else are you going for other than maybe KDB? It's it, it is tricky, but I guess like I mean I guess I guess to cover yourself with Liverpool, you could you could go with Mane and save yourself a bit of money. I mean, would that be something that that perhaps managers should be considering? Yeah, I mean, it uh, is again that's that what well, is this that's all related to the do you get rid of Salah, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's 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 none of those. Other options around that price are are particularly j- jumping jumping at me in in the way that that you said. Um, you know, a lot of people have probably been planning towards the double game week, and so having you know free transfers rolled over or maybe a wild card in the bank is probably not something people are thinking of in this game week coming up. So splitting the money out, spread, spreading the money out might might be difficult. Uh, you certainly can't do that in one transfer, right? So even getting rid of him. And then spreading the money out isn't probably 
a valid option for a you know po actual possibility for a lot of people so yeah i can kind of see what you're saying there in a the sense of neither route if of if you do want to get rid of him neither option of either you know spreading the money out further or a direct swap for another premium at the moment seems necessarily that attractive although having said that i think the um the De Bruyne one, particularly with the next three fixtures coming up. I mean, City's next three fixtures are West Brom, Sheffield United and Burnley. So if he's depending on that, on that hamstring injury, that could be, that could be a tempting one. And, be, and because of the fact that the West Brom is the, is the very next one, it's almost like if you're going to do it, that would be, that would be the time to do it now in this, in this game, which you get that West Brom fixture as part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, just a quick honourable mention, then I guess for, uh, for for Patrick Bamford. I mean, obviously he wasn't on the double, um, but 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 did blank this week and and how you know does have a very sizable fifty percent ownership. You know, although uh, at his price, and I'm sure many managers bought him for less than what his current price is. Um, perhaps returning, you know, not not returning some weeks isn't isn't a disaster. Um, let's move on then to top differential, and I, I guess this is perhaps one that that, that that I've lobbied hard for. So so maybe it's it's worth me uh, me talking about uh, about about Matthias Pereira. Uh, I feel like we can't not mention him or not give him the crown of top differential this week at 0.8% owned and 24 points. Um, he's a guy that in the championship last year, you know, was was pretty good and full of assists and full of goals, but his returns this week are massively inflated by two penalties, two in one game. Um, that just you know, obviously you can't rely on. Um, and West Brom in general, pretty, pretty poor. Even you know, any, any big Sam Renaissance hasn't really sort of materialised yet. So, um, so although I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to kind of give him the crown this week because I think his 24 points, albeit across a double, uh, is, is really impressive. Um, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be appearing on our radar unless he kind of shows this over sort of two, three, four game weeks? No, well, uh, certainly not. I mean, <clears throat> there was a bit of buzz around Pereira at the start of the season. Um, and did, he's obviously got nine points in the in the West Ham game as well. So is that a, was there a goal or an assist for him in that game? Yeah, as well? he, got, he, 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 he got a goal in that game. Um, so yeah, he's got three, three in the two, but obviously two of them were, came from the spot. I think, I think, I think his other goal didn't come from the spot. Yeah, because um, I think so... there were both penalties in that Wolves game, weren't they? So what? So that means that he, he, um, he, he, he got a goal. Obviously, you know, from open play. Then in, 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 I suppose it might have been a free kick. Obviously, you can tell I haven't seen that game, but he scored, he scored a goal from his own of his own merit. So three, so three goals. Um, maybe deserves a little bit of credit. I, like you say, I'm very, very sceptical about the consistency and, and we've looked a lot at players around his price range um, this season and he hasn't appeared anywhere and even the underlying numbers, not not even kind of close. So like you say, I'd certainly want to see it a lot more consistently. And like I said, I mentioned at the start, there was a bit of buzz about him at the start of the season and how what the impact he could have on the Premier League, uh, which we which which we've yet to see. So maybe it's possible, but uh, yeah, we won't be rushing anytime soon to get him in my team. Yeah, so I mean, I guess a little bit more on him, which I think completely justifies this. In his first three games this year, he got three three attacking returns, a goal, and two assists. Um, and then and, until game week nineteen, where he gets three goals, he only has one more attacking return. And that says a lot, really. And I think a lot of the buzz came, um, you know, he was probably West Brom's standout player last year, along with Grady Diangana. Um, 
but you know, West Ham's sort of swashbuckling attacking style from the championship definitely, definitely has not translated into into the Premier League, a little bit akin to Norwich the year before. So so yeah, I think there's um you know plenty to like about him as a player. Um, but I don't think as as an FPL asset he'll be a guy um that we can talk about too much going forward. But 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 you never know. Things stranger things have happened. Um I guess our honourable mention this week could end up being uh being a bit of a, a bit of a debate, um, but 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 then let's mention Ilkay Gundogan. I think we've already mentioned him on our players on the radar section. And 3.9% owned at the time of recording, 18 points, two goals that uh, in, in this game week. I think a few bonus points as well. Um, you know, he's been a player that's that's definitely on our radar. So, Andy, I mean, I guess I'll pose this one to you: Is he a player that comes off the radar and goes into teams now? It's tricky, isn't it? Because I think <clears throat> I think he's come off the radar because I think we've said everything we needed to say about him, and it just became. So a choice between whether it's him or other um, pr- similar priced assets, right? So w- straight into teams now, m- maybe not, but I think you most people have probably got, I think you're not going to use two midfielder slots probably on midfielders around five to six million, right? I just don't imagine you, you, you know, you could, you could have a, a more premium kind of, kind of asset. So you've probably already made your choice about um, which, um, you know, roughly five to six million midfielder you're going to go for. And so maybe straight in your team, if you're willing to swap whoever it is you have for Gundogan, because he looks like he's going to start every game and he's chipping in with returns consistently now. So, so possibly, but, but I wouldn't say necessarily rushing in your team, you know, to be an, another uh, five to six million pound midfielder. Yeah. And then, and then because of Leicester's simply fantastic game week, 19. There are any number of kind of Leicester players that that, that we could mention here um, in terms of sort of double digit points. Uh, James Madison, Harvey Barnes, Jury Tillemans, Johnny Evans. Um, I guess of all of those, I mean, Andy and I have spoken about James Madison plenty of times and, and, and Harvey Barnes kind of falls into that same category. I mean, I guess we both think that, that they're probably better long-term options that, that, than Tillemans is and, and probably even Evans at his price point. And I guess, was he not so high owned? Um, I think we'd really be looking to talk about James Justin here, but um, but yeah, I guess for considering he is so high and he's not going to creep into into any top differential discussion, but he he does very much seem to be kind of less as standout standout player really. Um, but you know, a, 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 alongside that, um, you know, he he gets attacking returns and, and and obviously two two clean sheets this game week as well. Oh yeah, well, I mean, like, like you said, he 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 looks great, but he's probably not a a, diff- a differential as such. So on the one on the differentials, did mention like uh, Leicester appearing in all over the uh, the XG under and overachievers table this week because as much as Vardy is the biggest underachiever, Madison is is the is the biggest overachiever. And I think the last time he scored a couple of goals, and we we mentioned him, we uh, this was again the same the same thing really. It was both from from chances from outside the box, which you wouldn't really expect him to score from. And as similar to the James Ward Prowse thing we said, really, I think it's just, it was interesting hearing his interview where he said he's, he's conscious of wanting to score more goals and he's actually deliberately worked on getting in the box more and scoring more. So that actually gives me more evidence or, you know, consideration of, of perhaps owning him. But the fact is that he's kind of XG, you know, he, the chances he's getting are still not like amazing and maybe he's just a fantastic finisher and this is why they're all going in. But I think those no, numbers are potentially just, just kind of 
a bit too unsustainable and and actually Harvey Barnes's underlying numbers are, are, are better I think is over over the last four matches Harvey Barnes is in like the top 10 I think he's seven for eight or something for for expected goal involvement whereas um Madison is, is just nowhere to be seen he's sort of miles down the table so um yeah amongst midfielders that is I should say so yeah I think it's, it's always the people who who at the XG haters, you know, would, would almost hate that argument, right? Because it's like, well, give me the points in the bank. Don't give me the, I don't care about the Harvey Barnes' XG. James Madison's going to get you more, more goals. So give, give me, give me that over, over, over any kind of XG. But I think for me, I, I obviously do pay attention to that. And I, I feel like it's more of a, a demonstration of Harvey Barnes being a more consistent uh, option going forward, possibly than, than, than Madison. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I encourage all uh, all of our listeners that haven't listened to James Madison's interview to listen to it. It's one one of, one of the he's he's pretty good in front of the camera, and I think his um, yeah, his, he he gives pretty open but but honest and and, and fairly kind of interesting um uh, in, interviews. And yeah, as Andy says, you know, is it looking to be getting more into those kind of assists and, uh, and getting into position for for goals? Um, I'd be interested to see maybe maybe we can have a bit of a closer look at Leicester over the coming weeks. So possibly as as those midfielders maybe do get into those positions maybe that's a bit of a tweak which is maybe harming Vardy uh, so yeah definitely worth looking at particularly if they do have some some good upcoming fixtures um let's review then our our, our section our new se- segment uh, caught in the honey trap from last week um essentially we were putting out some some bold propositions to see if each other took each other up on them um so let's start with with mine my bold prediction i guess trying to catch Andy in my honey trap um, was that no keeper would outscore Alphonse Areola this week. Andy, of course, took me up on it. And as things stand at the time of recording, eight goalkeepers are currently scoring more points than Alphonse Areola this week. So Andy's chalked up a fairly comprehensive win there. Um, Andy, I w- let, let me ask you this. At kind of 70 minutes through the Chelsea-Fulham game, when Alphonse Areola was on for three bonus a couple of save points and a clean sheet. Were you starting to get a bit nervous? Not particularly nervous, I wouldn't say, because my my think I already knew at that point that uh, West Ham had a clean sheet in the bag, and I think I did. I'm not sure about Leicester. Maybe did I know about the Leicester one at that point as well? I don't know. So um, no, I don't think I did know of Leicester. But yeah, obviously West Ham had their had their clean. Sheet. And my my main kind of thinking was 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 Fabianski really or or Edison. Uh, to be get to probably be the best chance of getting more more points than than Ariola. So no, at that point I don't think I was because I thought the best he could get was probably at that point be kind of roughly level with with Fabianski, and then the next fixture was going to be Fabianski playing Burnley at home and and Ariola playing United. So yeah, for all the reasons we spoke about in the segment, really I um I didn't feel too worried about it kind of at, at any point there were so many different routes for me to kind of to take the win on this one yeah yeah fair play I mean I think I think my uh my um you know rationale behind it was was that you know I was very much hoping for at least one clean sheet some save points and, and a few bonuses along the way and 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 you know no keepers really to be keeping two clean sheets over the course of over uh, over the course of the double um in the end Casper Michael uh, was 17 you know even you could, what even what I dreamed of from from Mariola wouldn't have been enough 
to win this proposition. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I I enjoyed the ride at least for seventy minutes before Mason Mount stuck one past him, which ironically uh, even benefited Andy even more with Mount in his team. Right, and, um, and also. Then, but also credit where credit's due. It was is a very bold one, right? You pick you're picking Fulham, who've been not although they've we both said they've looked better recently defensively. You know, they, we were always targeting Fulham at the start of the season, and um, they had foot they had Chelsea and, and United in these two fixtures. So it you know fair play to you. It's it's, it's a bold one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fair fair play. I mean, Andy, why don't why don't you take 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 the listeners uh, through yours and uh, and perhaps why I didn't take it up. Yeah, so I obviously I, the one I laid out was um, had some very very sticky honey in in my trap because uh, and and Chris noticed how sticky it was and decided not to try and take any of it, which was a wise decision um, to to carry on the the honey trap metaphor. Um, it was it was that Harry Kane would outscore every Chelsea forward. Um, now, in any given game week, that might not sound like the most crazy thing to put out there, but obviously the the kind of the jeopardy and the premise of of, of that one being a bit more close was that uh, as well as you getting you know three options there for Chelsea, any one of them it only took one of them to kind of outscore Kane. Also, they they had two matches, whereas Tottenham only had one. So. Now, Tottenham's one game was Sheffield United, so, uh, you know, an attractive looking fixture for them. And as it turned out, Kane did score um, and he out and he did actually outscore all of all of the um, Chelsea forwards because none of them scored a goal in either game, which I think is surprising. Um, I don't think Chelsea have been in fantastic form and obviously they looked pretty poor uh, in, in, in particularly the Leicester game. But I think you would have expected one of Giroud, Abraham and Werner to score at least one goal in those two games. Um, and it's kind of the thinking there was, well, if Kane's roughly about maybe 50-50 to score in the Sheffield United game, um, then, yeah, there's, there's a fair bit of jeopardy in that if one of, all it takes is one of those Chelsea strikers to get a goal and then maybe like, probably like two, three, four appearance points across the, the two games and that they'll likely outscore Kane. But, I mean, as it turns out, not only did none of them score, but because of the fact that they none of them really contributed anything it was they all just had their appearance points and so they combined still did not get more than than Harry Kane I think it was I think Abraham had three points Giroud and Werner two each and um to to make seven whereas whereas Harry Kane's goal saw him reach nine so even if you'd put them all together Chris which really would have been a bold honey trap and I think maybe you might have taken that one if I'd offered you the the combination but even that still wouldn't have won you it here yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, however sticky uh, your, your your honey was, I think I did did pretty well uh, to avoid this one. Um, but yeah, do let us know what you think of, of that segment. I think uh, it was definitely one that Andy and I quite liked having having a bit of a competition, a bit of a game to track over the weekend. Whereas obviously our other game, who the heck is that, is very much an on the pod thing. Um, this was one that that that, that definitely. Uh, you know, we had a few messages, a, 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 few, a few gifts going back and forth. Um, honey related obviously um so so yeah, yeah hopefully we'll we'll find some uh, find some time to stick stick with that segment in the future no pun intended there uh, let's finish off then with with our captaincy picks i mean i guess uh, we really set this up as, as a bruno versus salah versus kdb salah a little bit tbc obviously we're uh, recording this um well, you know, well into the, the second half in, in his game but he's still uh, sat firmly on the bench um but one assist a piece from from, from bruno and, and kdb i mean i guess for a captains in double game week you'd be looking for a lot more 
In an ideal world, yes, absolutely. Particularly considering the fact they both started both games and the opponents that they were, or particularly KDB, was was playing against. Um, I think, you know, it's one of those things where captaincy is obviously a week-to-week proposition, as we've said many times, and you're thinking about who's going to score the most points in that game week. So if it comes to players on the radar and we're questioning their form in that, then you start to question... um, their potential for captaincy returns as well don't you and and, and that so because because of the fact we've mentioned when we're, we're kind of not sure that you know neither of them have, have looked in great form to the eye that that will will start maybe making some people question their captaincy sort of validity but then uh, you know on on the other hand we did also sort of highlight how their underlying stats are better than any other midfielders over the last few game weeks so it's a tricky one going forward with them too yeah, I think uh, especially you know, game game week twenty. Without kind of preempting what we'll end up talking about in the cap in the preview uh, in the, in our preview show, um, you know, Man City, West Brom away, Man United, Sheffield United at home would would not shock me one bit if we're heavily focusing on KDB and Bruno uh, for captaincy selections in in those. I mean, I guess one you know you made a, a very good point, a very very well articulated point as well that you know if if you are backing. Um, City defenders in particular, but also possibly West Ham ones to keep two clean sheets, um, you know, in, in in this double, then 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 you know treat that as an attacking return, and uh, and and stick the armband on them. Um, and I guess if you'd have put the armband on John Stones, then you are absolutely laughing. But obviously, Ruben Diaz would have would have been a pretty decent shout as well. And then Soufal and Cresswell would have been better than both Bruno and KDB, KDB, and 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 all the evidence in front of us at the moment would have been better than Salah as well. So um, I guess Andy, I kind of have to ask you, were you, you know, how ballsy were you, and did you put your put the armband on, on a defender? Because I certainly didn't. No, I absolutely did not. I mean, it, you know. I think because I mentioned it beforehand, hopefully people can will believe me when I say that this is not being um, being Harry hindsight. But I was I was very tempted by by the Stones. Stones is the only city defender in my team, so I would have got the goal points, but that would have been pure fluke. I, you know, if I put the if I put the armband on him, it would have been for the clean sheets. Now, and, and I was tempted because I, I couldn't really for me it was probably going to end up having to be between Bruno and Salah, and I couldn't really decide. Neither of them were were really convincing me that they were going to have a great game week, so. Um, that's what was tempting me towards Stones, but it, it was just the pet brulette. I think if we lived in another world where we it was a different manager and we knew Stones was going to be starting both, or very, very likely to be starting both games for City, he could have well have ended up with, with the armband for me this week. But it was just that slight nagging feeling of, imagine if I missed out on a Bruno Hall and Stones, you know, for whatever reason was rotated for one game, I'd be, I'd be furious at myself. So that was what just quite didn't let me go that far but but look I think there's lessons we learn here and I and I I saw someone tweet about it and I don't know whether they were serious or not but there was something about doing some research into double game weeks and the types of players who do best because I think we talk often about the floors and the ceilings right and um, in any in any given single game week, the ceiling is way higher for a Bruno or Salah than a, than a Stones or Diaz. Like if if they if they get a goal and an assist or a couple of goals or maybe more, then obviously they, their points can absolutely skyrocket. However, the more game weeks you include, obviously those spikes and those potential ceilings kind of even out a little bit, don't they? And particularly with the two fixtures that City and West Ham had. I think we were, the point we were, I was making with those defensive options is I'm probably am more confident in City getting two clean sheets than I am in KDB scoring two goals. So in in that sense, I wonder if this there's something that we can keep in mind going forward, and that on double game weeks, the defenders with attractive fixtures are are definitely good options. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. I mean, I'm just having a quick quick look at uh, you know the, the top scorers 
um, in this game week. Obviously, we've, we've loosely covered it in terms of uh, in terms of top differential. But obviously, some of these aren't aren't really eligible for our top differential section. And and, and obviously, you know, Stones comes top at top of that. But there are a fair few midfielders that kind of in it, you know in above fifteen points, which is pretty good for um, for a double. And obviously, Antonio is is, is another one. But, but yeah, you know, right at the top end, definitely, for, especially considering City's fixtures, uh, Stones and Diaz, you'd think is the most nailed on for starts, um, and we're definitely the most nailed on in the end for a. Uh, for some, for some real points hauls, but you know, equally, if you'd have put the armband on James Justin this weekend, you'd be, you know, you'd be looking pretty good as well. Um, and yeah, I think, for, I think, for, you know, for me, um, you know, my, my finger was hovering over sort of captaining Antonio this weekend, um, and they didn't, you know, not so much for Pep Roulette, but maybe maybe Moyes Roulette, although that's definitely more in, you know, more uh, more down to, to 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 some question marks over Antonio's fitness and whether he would end up starting starting both as well. Um, best leave it there, Andy. I think we have uh, spoken for, pl- for probably this will probably end up being one of our longest ever review shows. Although it definitely makes makes perfect sense as to why, considering it is a double. Um, but let's look ahead to, to to game week twenty very quickly. I mean, things kind of return to normal um, for FPL fans. You know, no no, no blanks, no do, no doubles, um, but still plenty to think about, particularly with weekend FA Cup action. Absolutely, yeah. I think. Um... The, the thing to look for here will be, I mean, there as well as the fact that there's FA Cup action, specifically Premier League-wise, there's another game week straight after game week 20. So game week 21 is straight after game week 20. Um, uh, so, if it, you know, game week 20 finishes on the Thursday, game week 21 starts on the Saturday. And that's um, that's something that could impact rotation within game week 20 more potentially than the FA Cup games that come before it because you mentioned teams like City for example and if there's any kind of injury worry about KDB you think he's just going to be rested in that FA Cup game this this weekend for City and obviously there's some teams who don't have FA Cup games at all so yeah with resting and rotation you think that's probably more likely to happen in the um, in the FA Cup but then you look at say we mentioned like United right they have that fixture against Sheffield United at home um arguably potentially an easier on paper fixture and then you know just a few days later they travel to Arsenal away who are in very good form in game week 21 and so you know actually given that United want to win a cup and their cup game is Liverpool at home will there be a stronger team against Liverpool and perhaps more rotation in that Sheffield United game because of the fact it's then Arsenal afterwards as well like if you line those three games up Liverpool Sheffield United Arsenal and you want to win all three What's the what's the one you're going to rotate in? Quite possibly Sheffield United more so than 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 say the cup for for them. So it's taking all those things into account and and that that yeah, like I say, the the following Premier League Premier League fixtures could Im- impact team selections in game week twenty more so than than the cup could. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's also worth noting, particularly on on, on your Man United point, and, and not to labour that, but they are kind of one of the last fixtures in in, in game week twenty. So so yeah, um, you're absolutely calculating some of, some of that rest. I think is going to be really important um, for managers, and and it does seem to me at least that that there's way more to think about. Um, you know, in in this FPL season, than, than there would ordinarily be. Um, let's leave it there then, Andy. But uh, obviously, 
we'd love to hear from from our listeners about you know what how their double game week 19 went and and, and what they're looking forward to in game week 20 so uh, how can they go about getting in touch with us well they can find us on twitter or instagram at fpl underscore lounge and as you'll be well aware chris if they were to happen to go to our instagram this week they would have seen my fair uh you know looks and visage and would have been able to hear me talk about the new episode that was available we uh, we mixed it up and tried something different on the instagram account this week yeah, absolutely. I, I I got I got a message uh, uh, with with a little video telling telling me that that the pod was a the pod was ready and and, and that was good because otherwise I, I just simply would not have known. Um, as as ever, you can also um you know rate, subscribe, and share this with with with, with your friends. Uh, we are trying to to grow as much as we can. So so if you get any any nuggets of insight then please do let your fellow fpl uh fpl players know i mean maybe you don't maybe you just want to keep all of the the inside knowledge to yourself but um but yeah, yeah sharing is ultimately caring we will be back uh to preview game week 20 i think we're going to end up recording on sunday because the next game week starts on a tuesday uh, so hopefully we'll give you plenty of time to listen to the next pod uh, so andy then until sunday thanks for joining us in the fpl lounge